can give God some praise in this place. Hallelujah. He is worthy. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be praised. My friends, it's high time that we really allow the Spirit of God as He is real to become a reality in us. We as the children of God has been far too long that we've been robbed by the enemy of the truth of who we are as children of the Most High God. And we've been robbed of our daily uh, bare essentials and our daily necessities. We, uh, and, and, and the thing about it is, is that, you know, in this robbery, you know, it's not even like a real robbery because a robbery happens, you know, uh, a robber will, will break in and he'll steal from you while you sleep while you're not at home. This is a strange robbery because the robbery that the enemy commits is that you not sleep. And, we're, and we are at home. And so when he comes to the door as a thief, we, it's like we just hand him the goods. And God is saying that it's high time, my friends, that the reality, that, that, that the reality of who we are as his children, that we begin to live from that place. I just say that because God is just so real. And we got to quit, uh, you know, especially for those of us that, that have the opportunity to be an eyewitness to the work of the Spirit. And, that, and when I say especially to those of us who have the opportunity to be an eyewitness, uh, that's each and every one of us at some time or another. This morning, early this morning, when we finished setting up and we sit, uh, went to sit down. The Spirit of the Lord encouraged us in that moment to allow the Spirit of God to have his way, you know, to, to, the, as we sit before him, to just allow him to speak to our hearts that in whatever he wants to do on this day, that we would uh, not be, uh, 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 the gate is open for what he wants to do, but we would not uh, block the gate, but that we would be true instruments that the gate, uh, uh, that the spirit could actually flow through in there. And the funny thing about it Is that when that happened, you know, it, I was only saying that by the Spirit of God. This ain't Pastor John. But Dakeem was not here when uh, that was said. And I'm only saying that because here's a chance for us to be another eyewitness. You know, Minister Curtis uh, called her up to sing a song that God had placed in her heart, and obviously she came up and and sung a song that God had placed in her heart, and, and she said that it happened that been in her heart all week. And it was a song that would encourage us. 
to understand and to begin to truly receive that we may walk in our Christian liberty. The liberty in which the Son was sent to work some works that God was able to work through him to give us this liberty. You know, and I just say this because now each and every one of you is an eyewitness. I haven't talked to Dakeem this week. I didn't even talk to her even this morning no more than I did to each and every one of you by giving you a hug and saying hello. But it wasn't about a communication between me and her. It was about a communication between the, by the spirit of the living God in there. And, and, and God already knew of what he has been planning. We are entering a series and I don't know how long this series is going to go, but we're going to allow God to have his way. The series that we are entering in, and, and this will be part one today, is Christian Liberty. Christian Liberty. Somebody ought to be standing on their feet and shouting to the Almighty God, because that is God. And she just sung the song that grace, it was grace that has bought our liberty, my friends. And it's high time, Rico, that God is saying that it's time for you as a Christian to live in your liberties that, that I have purchased with the blood of my son. And in order to do that, then there's a word that God wants to teach us. There's words. So this series is not, it's only going to be the beginning today. But it's going to stretch out because this ain't something that we can rush through. This is something that we have to, as we go through, that we have to get from the bottom of our hearts. So this part one of the series of Christian Liberties, I will give it a subtitle, and that subtitle will be Saving Faith. If you will, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And we'll be looking at a passage of scripture uh, to start with that we all also familiar with. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless your holy name, Lord God. And even in this moment, Lord, I pray, Lord, help us because you show us signs and wonders and miracles every day, all day long, and we just take them for granted. And they are powerfully, uh, powerful from you. But because they don't come in the, in the form of the natural that we want to see, then we take it for granted. And some even to the point that we wonder, is God still doing miracles when you do spiritual miracles every day? If we could have an eye to see and an ear to hear, Lord God, we would know that. It will break us down. It will touch us in the depths of our inner man, Lord God, and it will change us forever. And with that change, will bring forth a confidence, a knowing and an assurance, Lord God, of you in our lives and you operating and controlling all, Lord God, that you have brought us into. Lord, we need your help because we, we miss it. And you are all around. 
all day, every day, working the works of the kingdom miraculously. Lord, forgive us. Help us. Let us receive, Lord God. Let us be able to get away from our flesh enough, Lord God, that we can receive your truth, Lord God, in such a way that will make a difference in how we walk, how we move, how we live, and how we are in our being, Lord God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray on this morning. And let all the saints of God say amen. Amen and amen. Glory be to God. So again, concerning Christian liberty, we want to uh, start with part one, which is the message or subtitle of saving faith. You know, in order to walk in the Christian liberty or even to be, have an understanding to live as a Christian free, because that's what Christian liberty is. It's just living as a believer, free. And what are we free from? We are free from the bondage of sin and the evil of the enemy. Come on, somebody. And in order for us to be able to live from that, there are some things that God needs to impart to us, uh, our understanding, glory be to God. And the foundation of that is what part one is all about, is saving faith. We have to understand uh, faith and what it really is, glory be to God. And so Ephesians chapter two, verse eight, reads like this, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, somebody say a gift to God, yeah. not of works, lest anyone should boast. I'm going to say that again, for grace, for by grace you have been saved. We have been saved by grace, my friends. Not of works. We have been saved by faith, not of works. I skipped there, not of works. Because it's essential for us to understand, and why is this so important as it pertains to Christian liberty? Because it, 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 it Christian liberty in our lives, being able to live from the place of who you spoke of and how God had, had you praying in this morning, for us to know who we are and, how, and, and for us to know where he's moved us into, where we live, and in order for us to truly be able to know these things, then faith is the foundation of all of this. We have to know how we've been moved into Christ. In there. And, it, and the word of God is very clear that it's by grace uh, that we have been saved through faith. It's, been our, it's our faith that has brought us into this place and is not by works. And I'm just doing a, a precursor right now because this is really important for us to remember from not only this day, but as we move through and, and forevermore. That, uh, because grace, we all know this, and we all didn't read this, we all didn't heard this probably a thousand times. But what God wants to speak to us through this series and, 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 to, and specifically on today is, 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 for, is to a deeper place, my friend. It's to a place that will allow your life to actually change. It'll, it's to a place where you can begin to experience the life of Jesus, the sons of God in Christ Jesus. 
and not be hindered by the tricks of the enemy and the distractions that we face every single day. There's a division that has to happen and there's a, a, a wall that has to be put up, glory be to God. And that wall that has to be put up is in our understanding more than anything. A Christian man is the most free and subject to none. The Christian man, there's a few foundations that, or, or, or things that we have to lay out first and foremost. And the one thing that you need to understand that, uh, that a Christian man or a Christian person is the most free and is subject to none. Do you understand that? Also, but, uh, but on the other hand, a Christian man is the most dutiful, dutiful servant of all and is subject to everyone. I'm going to say that again. See, while a Christian uh, person is free, is the most free uh, of all and subject to none, on the other hand, the Christian man is the most dutiful servant, come on somebody, of all and subject to everyone. See, the funny thing about this is that although these statements are, appear to be contrary, yet when they are found to agree together, they make excellence for the purpose that we're going to be talking about. For they both, both of these statements, Paul himself says, though I be free from all men, Yet have I made myself servants unto all, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. And owe no man, and owe no man anything but to love him, Romans chapter uh, 13, verse 8. So while it's, uh, uh, it's clear that we as believers are to owe no man anything, but then we owe everything when it comes to love. See, there's a, a dilemma in that. Now, love is by our own nature dutiful and obedient to the beloved object. object. So love itself, because of who we are, it becomes a duty for each and every one of us. Yo, uh, not that we obligated to it, but it's become because, because it's a part of who we are. So while I am free from every man, who I am in Christ Jesus makes me, because God is love, it makes me a lover of everyone. Yes. Somebody missed that. Yes. So listen to this. Even Christ, though Lord of all things, was yet made of a woman, made under the law, at once free as a servant, at once in the form of God and in the form of a servant at the same time. This is, see, that's, that's the, the dilemma. See, while he was God himself, high and lifted up, he chose to become a servant to all for the purpose. And that purpose is what God wanted and what God was working in him. Let, ex let us examine the subject to a, in a deeper but less simple principle. Man is composed of two natures. This is really what it's all about. A spirit or the spiritual and bodily. We're going to learn something today. So I ain't, this ain't going to, uh, we ain't moving fast or nothing. But understand this. See, man 
is, is made up of two folds, the spiritual and the bodily. As regard to the spiritual nature, see, there's two natures to men. This is what I'm talking about. Somebody say nature. nature. See, there's the spiritual nature and the uh, bodily nature. As it regards to the spiritual nature, uh, which they name the soul, somebody say soul. See, the spiritual nature is called what? The soul. He calls the, the spiritual also can be known as the inward, the spiritual or the new man. See, this nature could be called the soul can be referred to and has been in the Bible as the spiritual, the inward, catch that, and the new man. As regards to the bodily nature, which is also has a name that, what's the name of the bodily nature? Flesh or the fleshly. He is also referred to as the fleshly, the outward man, or even the old man. The apostle Paul speaks of uh, this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Though our outward man perishes, yet our inward man is what? Renewed day by day. This is some important information because the result of these diversities is that the scripture opposes, opposing statements are made concerning the same man. That while one, the man is totally free, but yet the man, the Christian man, the real Christian I'm talking about, no one, he knows that he's free, but at the same time, this, the opposing statement is that he knows because it wells up in him, is because it's a part of him that he even though he's free, that he chooses to be a servant to all. Come on, somebody. This is beautiful information. You know, and here's the thing, that the result of this diversity is that in Scripture, opposing statements are made concerning the same man. The fact being that in the same man, these two men are opposed to one another. The flesh lusting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. That's Galatians chapter five, we know that. Uh, we first gotta approach this from, from the subject of the inner man. Let's talk about that first and foremost as we go on this journey. That we may see that by what means a man becomes justified. See, when we examine the inner man, the purpose of us doing this is to see by what means a man becomes justified, free, a true Christian, that is a spiritual, uh, new, and inward man. It is concerned that uh, it is concerned. It is concerned that absolutely none among outward things, whether whatever they name is or may be reckoned, has any influence on the inward man. So what am I saying? The, the, the things on the outward, and this is what God wants to educate us because for far too long, this is where we've been bound. Even though we know what the word of God says, but yet because we haven't took a deep-rooted look at these things, we are allowing the outward things to influence the inward man. And this is what God is wanting to set us free from on today, without a doubt. The, here, so in this what we have to be able to see is that there is the Christian liberty comes through the righteousness 
that, uh, and through justification of the inward man. Do you realize that uh, the body or the flesh will never be justified? And God didn't send his son to justify the flesh. But it was the soul, the inward man that God has spent his son to say. Because if you remember, if you look down through history, and when, the, when we are raised from the dead, this body, is, uh, this fleshly body is not what's going to be raised, my friend. It's your spiritual, your soul, your inward man. And it's going to receive, guess what? A new body. Because this flesh is going to go to dust. The Bible says that from dust you came and dust you shall return. So here what God is understanding, want us to understand as we start on this journey, because truly to get to the place that he has prepared for us, that you actually have today in order to get to that place, then there's some foundational things that you need to understand. And one is that there is a twofold nature in you. This bodily, which is the flesh, and the, uh, and the inward man, which is the spirit, your soul, glory be to God, in there. And God, when he, when we are uh, redeemed by the Lord, when we are saved, when we are justified, that justification is for the soul. It's for your inward man. So there is no influences from the outward man whether good or bad, that can influence what God has done to the inward man, how he set him free by the blood of the lamb. So, no, uh, so what are you saying, Pastor John? What it boils down to is that no good works nor any bad works can influence or change what God has done for the soul. This is huge. This is why, again, the, our text scripture is, is speaking on because what, what, what God is wanting to get to us today is an understanding of saving faith. See, because this is all about faith, my friend. But the faith that we're talking about is, is not faith. The faith is only one uh, thing about this. This faith that God is talking to us about is the faith that has saved your soul. And that is, the, I'm going to say that again. The faith in what God has done, the finished work that has saved your body? No, that has saved your soul. Look at this. So the, the, the funny thing about this is that we cannot profit the soul. The body cannot profit the soul in no way, shape, fashion, or form. Matter of fact, uh, what it can what can it profit the soul that the body should be in good condition? This is an example. Free and, and full of life. That it should eat and drink and act according to its pleasures. Even when the most impious slave, uh, impious here means the, uh, uh, against God. One's heart is set against God. So even the most impious person of any kind with any vice, has, has no influence on what God has done in the soul. And likewise, on the opposite side of that, it's nothing, uh, while 
there's all of these things that we can be doing or our flesh can experience on the outside, pleasure and all of this different stuff. On the opposite side, it ain't nothing that this flesh can experience from the, a bad condition, illnesses, sicknesses, disease, and anything else that does influence what God has accomplished in one's soul when we have received him by faith. See, it's faith in what God has accomplished that saves the soul and your outward man has no influence on uh, adding to it or taking away from it. That's simply what is being said here. Why is that so important? Well, it's so important because what we find ourselves, while that is true, and I pray and hope that you can agree with God, not with me, because this is what the word of God is very clear on. That your outward works, whether they're good or bad, is no influence on the finished work that Christ has done when you have received that by faith, the saving faith. And the saving faith is what happens on the inside. This is the reason why Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 speaks of the fact that we are saved by faith. So when a man believes in his heart, See, heart is another one of them words that represents the inner man, the soul. That when one believes in their heart, that's where salvation comes from. And confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. This is Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. It says that if a man believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth, he shall be saved. Because it's with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's with the heart. It's with the heart that we are made right with God. It's with the heart that makes us right with God. So our justification comes from this saving faith. This is what saving faith is. This is not an intellectual faith. This is not what I believe. And this is not a faith of what I'm believing God for. This is an acceptance of what God has done. Come on, somebody. And as simple as this is, the dilemma is, is that while we have to clearly understand and this foundation has to be laid all over again, my friend, because we're talking about ultimately living in Christian liberty, the liberty that God has, uh, has, uh, has finished in Christ Jesus. The dilemma is, though, while there's only one way that, that, that we can be justified and freed from all of our transgressions and in a right relationship with God and that is that we by our soul, our inner man, our heart receives and believes, put our faith in what God has done with the son, that he died and that he was raised from the dead just like we talked about last week and that God was satisfied and raised him up. Come on somebody. Now, that is where salvation, redemption, uh, all the, the freedom from bondage of, of sin and all of these things take place. And that is done in your heart. So how is it then that we can come back and think that we can help it in some way, shape, fashion, or form by our works? 
See, this is the dilemma. And God is not satisfied with it and he is not going to put up with it because his son's blood cost him too much for any one of us to think that uh, to be deceived within our own uh, self that something from the outside can help that. And heart, God is heartbroken because this is what the church, I ain't talking about the people of the world, but this is what the church have done, uh, uh, come behind the blood that was shed. And we come behind the blood with some works this full and puffed up with pride as though we've done something to deserve something. And this is a heartache, my friend. You're talking about grieving the Holy Spirit, which is God. And, and God is calling the church out of this mess because it's gone on far too long. And, and the interesting part about this, Martin Luther wrote about this uh, way back in the 1500s. But what we really understand as we go through this, we'll see that this has been happening. The same problem that is evident today was evident in the 1500s. The same problem that was evident in the 1500s has been evidenced ever since the fall of man. Why? Because the problem is man. The problem came in when we look in the book of Genesis. Go there for a second. Genesis Chapter 3, because what the problem is, it's a heart problem. It's an in man, inward or inner man problem that we have. It's a heart problem. This is why the psalmist wrote that the, the heart of man is so deceitfully wicked that no man can know his own heart. We've had a heart problem, my friend, ever since the fall of man. And God is really wanting to educate us on some things because even the fall, my friend, was not, uh, the, it was, the heart was deceived before the, action, the work was ever done. So the problem was not the work. The problem was the heart. Look at this in, in, in uh, Genesis chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 4. We'll pick up right there. We know the story. This is when the, the serpent appears and, and, and is talking to, to Eve. He says, then the serpent said to the woman, this is verse 4, Genesis chapter 3, you will not surely die. Actually, let's back up to verse three. It says, but the fruit of the, because he had asked her, what, yo, what did God say? God said, don't eat of that fruit. He says, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And then verse four, he says, then the serpent said to, her, to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of, of it, your eyes will be open and your eyes will be like God. Excuse me, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse six, it says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eye 
and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate it. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. At first glance, you have to look deep into this to see this. See, because what we focus on is the fact that she ate the fruit, and we know that that was the outward thing, and that was, you know, that was the problem. No, the problem started long before that, my friend. The problem started when the enemy came to her and began to speak to her. And then and, and her eyes began to look that she had a problem with her heart already. This is where the problem was is that her heart, be, he appealed, he didn't appeal to the works, he appealed to her heart. He appealed to the inward parts of her and built up a, a desire that she could see from, with her eyes that, that penetrated to the inward man. So the, the, there wasn't the, it wasn't a work problem before it was a, a, a heart problem. It wasn't a work problem before it was an inward man problem. It wasn't a work problem before it was a soul problem. And see, and this is the same thing that Jesus, if you remember when he began his ministry, that he began to tell uh, and minister to the people one of the first things. As he uh, began to preach to him, he says that, see, it, it don't take you committing the work or the act of murder. If you have a purpose in your heart to hate someone, then you've already committed to sin. See, if you have a, a heart problem, if you have a soul issue, then that's where the problem is. It don't take committing the act. This is why he, he, he said to, to, to the man that it, uh, and to commit adultery, all you had to, it wasn't that you had to finish the act. All you had to do was look upon the woman and lust after, and you've already committed the sin of adultery. Because see, this, because what happens is, is our inward man is what uh, is appealed to, it, it is what, it is what, uh, it's where God has, it is what God has justified. It is what God has set free. Because this body, God already knew that the body, this flesh was going to continue to mess up. But what I needed was their hearts. That's why it takes in order for salvation to happen in a man that one must believe in their hearts. Not with your body. Not with your intelligence. Not with your flesh. But it's one, you see, this is the difference between saving faith or true salvation, my friend. To be a true Christian is one that have received him and believed on the word of God in his heart. And what word is that? Believe that God has sent his son to be the appropriation for our sins is what we have to believe on. And when we receive that in our hearts, then God works the works of justification, sanctification, glorification, all of this begins to set up and, and come into play. So here we can finally agree that one thing and only one thing is necessary for life, justification is what that is, and Christian liberty. So we can agree, and I hope that you can understand that there's only one thing that's necessary for life in the inward parts, the inward man, which is life. 
And that is what? Justification and Christian liberty. And that is the most holy word of God. That's what that is. What is that? The gospel of Jesus Christ is what it is. This is why he says, I am the resurrection and life. He that believeth in me shall have eternal life or should not die eternally. Not the body, but eternally, your inward man, your soul will never die. He said that in, in John chapter 11, that I, when he spoke to Martha and them, you know, after Lazarus had dead, was dead, and he was about to raise him from the dead, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me will never die eternally. And he, well, so what was he talking about? Was he talking to them about their body? He was talking to them about their soul, their inner man. That it will never die. Because why? Because we're going to be with him forever. And also, if the son makes you free, this is Jesus said this himself, you shall be free indeed. That's John chapter 8. This is the reason here again. We are talking about the word. That's why we have to have the word. And what is the word? The word that we have to have is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why there ain't no other word that can be preached. Uh, there ain't no other word to be ministered. But the word of God, which is Jesus Christ, died and him crucified. And him raised from the dead, glory be to God. And the same problem that Martin Luther and them had back in the 1500s has been the same problem from the beginning that, uh, and, and going all the way back certainly to the time that Jesus was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven, that man himself has always wanted to preach another gospel. This was the problem that Paul had, uh, Peter and them, the, from the very beginning that they, the, the false teaching that was and it was only about man being prideful and pumped up that what man could do. Do you see that we have a heart problem, my friends? And that we are our worst enemy when it comes to Christian uh, uh, liberty and, and living in the Christian liberty that God has set us free in? See, we can go through this whole life uh, believing in Christ with our heart, being saved and having a reservation for eternity and never be free. And that is against the whole will of God. Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Whom Jesus came to set the captives free. He came to set the captives free. And that wasn't talking about some bodily slave uh, enslavement. Though he able to do that. Now can you see that what he was talking about, I came to set the captives free. He was talking to the inner man, the soul of the man. And everything that Jesus came to do and everything that he did do was to the soul of man. See, man is twofold. We are bodily and spiritual. We are inner man and outer man. And everything that we want to deal with or we want to take the word of God for is to apply to the outer man. And everything that the word of God first and foremost and above all things is, is ministering to is the inner man. And don't think that if it ministers to the inner man that it can't touch the outer man. But we got it backwards. We wanted to touch the outer man and, 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 and God already know that it could touch the outer man all day long. 
and it will never reach the inner man. That's why he said it ain't, it ain't happening. This is God. I'm God. You ain't, this, see, that's how we treat one another. No, we're going to make a deal, but if the deal is going to go the way I said it, if it don't go the way I said it, there ain't no deal. Well, God said the same thing to you. The deal is what I said. It ain't going by what you said. And it's still a deal. You're just going to miss out on the deal. If you want to try to go your way. And this is a shame. It's the same thing that uh, the serpent actually lured Eve into. But he, at the same time, if she had an ear to hear, she would have heard the warning. That God don't want you to be like him. See, uh, see, he said it in this way, that God knows that in the day that you eat, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, if she, but if she had a heard what she should have heard, is that, oh, this is going to make me like God. I'm finna run for this because I already see who God is. There's none like God. No, not one. We sing the song to, uh, yo, these days. There is none like him. We sing the song, but do we understand it in our hearts? There's none like him. How can we come or, or forsake coming, and even if we do come, not really bless the Lord and praise him when there is none like him? See, God is sending a check to us on today, my friends. And this is just the beginning. This is good news, though. Let us therefore hold it for certain and firmly establish that the soul can do without anything except the word of God. Hear me, my friends. Even with the glimpse of what God has given us, let us hold for certain that and firmly establish that the soul can do without anything except the word of God, without which none at all of, or none of all of its wants are provided. The soul can do without anything except the word of God. And the word of God is what provides for all the wants of the soul of man. But having the word, which is the word of God, having the word, it is rich and wants for nothing. See, the soul, because it has the word, when it has the word, it, is, it knows. See, we, don't, don't miss this. Please don't miss it that we can firmly establish and agree that without the, that the, the soul can do without anything except the word of God. Okay? But having the word, it understands, but the soul knows that it can do without all that stuff. But because I got the word, I am rich and without nothing. I lack nothing, so the soul says. See, a soul that knows the truth knows that without, uh, because I have the word, that I have everything. That I am rich and I lack nothing. 
Somebody so need to know today that because I have the word, see the desire of the soul is to know God by his word, my friends. And therefore then our desire should be to seek uh, the word of God constantly. But we have the word that makes us, and that ought to tell us that we are lacking nothing. Since that is the word of life, the word is the word of life, of truth, of light, of peace, of justification, of salvation. The word of God is the word of joy, of liberty, of wisdom, of virtue. And, and the word of God is the word of grace. It's the word of glory and every good thing. See, the word of God feeds the soul with every good thing. See, the soul knows that the word of God is the word of truth. It's the word of life to the soul. See, somebody confused right now because even what you're hearing, you're trying to relate it to the body. We got to stop it and know that he's talking about your soul, my friend. And because we have him, then we have everything. And we lack nothing. But the enemy comes along and tells you what your body don't have. It tricks you with uh, what, what, your, what your body is in desire of. What your body lusts for. And we get sidetracked and slammed down and lose track of what our soul because of what the body is lacking. Oh, oh foolish man. And it does it to us every time. And don't think this, this is talking to somebody else. No, it's talking to you. Not one of us in here is this not talking to. And, you, and, and, and I pray that by the Spirit of God that you will allow this to minister to you because it's the truth and it's what's going to set you free. We are talking about Christian liberties. And we are talking about placing our faith in God in the right place. And what real faith is. My God, it's, it's what you see in Psalms 19 and, and many other places, but Psalms 19, the whole chapter of Psalms 19 is what you see the psalmist uh, sighing for and calling upon the word of God with so much groaning of words. He was groaning for the word of God. He was in, in sighs and groans that, we, that can't be uttered. He was pleading for the word. Why? Because he come to the understanding that the word of God is the, is everything. That with the word of God, my soul, my inner man lacks nothing. But we put so much precedence on the other foe, the other nature, the bodily. And we forsake the spiritual nature. And it's high time that we come to this place in an understanding, my friends. This is what the new man, the new creation is all about. This is what being born again is all about, my friends. That the presidency in this, I don't know if we ever got to this place or we had the right understanding. See, the new man, the being born again and being created, the new creation is about us being uh, another man now. 
and our uh, and, and the other man that we become is because there was a, another man that, that paid the price in a sacrifice by another man. And so we have this new man because of the merits of another man, not because of the merits of you. You see, this, this is where everything hinges. If you miss this, then you, you, it don't matter what's been said going forward. That the new man that we are is because of the merits of another man, namely Christ Jesus. You see that? I'm talking about the new man. And see, this new man, you didn't, and, and this is what God had been ministering. He'd been telling us all of this stuff for all along. Now he's making it clear. He said, that's because what we couldn't understand is that now I'm a new creation, but why ain't, ain't nothing changed on the outside? I, the same day that I became a new creation, because I really believed in my heart, the same stuff I was doing the day before, the day after I began to fail back into the same traps. Why? Because you, the bodily man did that. But if, if, but if we understood that we had a new inner man, a new spiritual man that was right with God, that has been set free and had been placed in the truth, then we would not that uh, the bodily man, even though he fell down, we wouldn't let him lie to the inner man because we would know the inner man would be able to speak to that, the, the, the bodily man and say, go sit down somewhere. That we gonna do it like this, and it would have. Uh, what we gonna do is we gonna seek the word. See, then in the inner man, the uh, the the inner man, the soul, then that's freed, that has become a new creation, will seek the word of God, and it won't listen to the bodily man that keeps falling down. This is the dilemma that Paul talked about while while there, the of the two men that was at work within him. That while I did want my desire to do good, then but evil was always present. But he understood that uh, which man he was going to stand with. And that was the inner man. Hallelujah. And this is the part where we miss it, my friends. And it's, it's too important. We can't miss it no longer. My God. And understand this. That since this is all true and, and, and we're getting a clear understanding, how are we going to bridge the gap? How are we going to get there? We got to begin to understand that there's no more cruel strokes of wrath of God then when I uh, sin, when he sins a famine or, or hearing the words of Amos that he wrote, just as there's no greater favor from him than uh, he sent forth uh, in his word, uh, of his word. As he has said, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. See, this is what God has done in us in the right understanding. See, God, what he done, he has sent his word and healed them and delivered them out of their destruction. So it ain't no wrath of God uh, like a famine that can, be, that can move the inner man. It ain't even uh, uh, some great favor that we think that we have from the Lord uh, that can move the inner man. One, to, to move us off course because we, yo, we, oh, God done did this to me. That makes you feel messed up. It ain't even the, when God does show favor, it ain't, uh, so it don't put us in a high place, in a puffed up place. 
Because what we understand is that God himself, this is what he done, that he sent his word, come on somebody, and he healed them, glory be to God, and that he delivered them out of their destruction. He has sent his word. He has healed us. And he has delivered us out of our destruction. Why am I saying all of this? Because what the truth of the matter is, my friends, is that we have to know what God has done. Because without us knowing what God has done, then there ain't no such thing as faith. The truth of the matter is, is that we have to know what state we were in. You, we have, and this is what the problem with, of, of what, how the gospel is being presented is because the gospel is telling of Jesus dying, but it ain't telling you of the state that you're in. So even when people receive Jesus, they, they receiving them from some high place. That, that I ain't so bad, and I certainly ain't as bad as you. When we truly all in the same boat, my friend. So we must do this. What is this word? And by what means is it to be used? Since there are so many words of God, then one would ask. But the apostle Paul would say this. Uh, in Romans chapter 1, it explains why he says this. It's the gospel of God concerning his son, the incarnation, the suffering, the, the raising from the dead, the glorification through the spirit, the sanctifier. This is what this is about. To preach Christ and to feed the soul, to justify it, to set it free, and to save it. I'm going to say that again. This is about the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached, that the soul may be fed, and that the soul may be justified, and that the soul may be set free, and that the soul may be saved, if you believe. For faith alone... Here it is. With an effective use of God's word brings salvation. See, faith along, uh, along with an effective use of God's word brings forth salvation. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans 10, 9. And again, Jesus himself said, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone who believeth, Romans 10, 4. And the just shall live by faith, Romans 1, 17. Come on, somebody. For the word of God cannot be received and honored by any works. So the word of God cannot be received or honored by any works. It's by faith. From the inner man, not your faith on the outside. That this comes from the depths of your heart, just like uh, the devil or the serpent uh, appealed to Eve, you know, to trick her. This is God's appeal to us to set us free and to deliver truth unto us. And it has to be received, come on somebody, yeah. in the inner man. And God is delivering this because for even us being believers, for most of us, we haven't received him for the freeing and the justifying of our souls. We've been trying to set, even our fear 
of going uh, of eternal life because we see it from a natural perspective. When we're talking about uh, eternal life with him, we're thinking of something that's going to please our flesh, a mansion, your streets of gold, something that appeals to my flesh. Hear what I'm saying? Even when we, if we thought about hellfire, we still think of it in a natural way because when we, we, oh, I'm afraid of because I don't want, because we're thinking about our flesh burning. Here. See, all of this stuff even then appeals to our flesh. So even those of us that have received him, you know, it's been from the flesh, the bodily, the outward man. We haven't perceived in the spirit, oh, our spirit being burned in hell forever. Because we can't even imagine what that is. The only correlation we'd have made it to is to our flesh. Come on, let's keep it real. And see, the only way that we're going to get to where God has taken us is to be able to keep it real, my friends. Let us get ready to finish here shortly. Understand this. Again, for the word of God cannot be received and honored by any works, but by faith alone. Therefore, it is clear that as the soul needs the word alone for life and justification, so it is justified by faith alone and not by works. Did everybody get that? Because the soul needs the word alone for life and justification. It's the word that, 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 that brings forth life and justification. So it is... And so it is justified by faith. That's how we get the life and justification. It's faith alone and it's not by works. So why are we continuing to try to prove to God some works? Even some of us didn't graduate to the point where we know that, okay, I know that it's, that it's my belief in Christ that gets me saved. But then yet we the commitment that you was talking about or what drives our commitment is us trying to prove to God that we deserve the salvation he gave us. That's an abomination, my friend. It's good intentions, but it's an abomination and it's an insult to the blood of Christ Jesus. Do you hear what thus saith the Lord? As good as the intentions are, it's an, it's, a, it's an insult because it can't even, not, not even a little bit measure up to what the price that has been paid. So our, well, you say, the, well, what, well, why the, does the, the Bible have all of these precepts of, uh, that motivates us to good works? I'm glad you asked because that's what we're going to pick up on next week. It's understanding the difference between the precepts and the promises of God. Amen. This is awesome news. So here in conclusion, understand this, that his faith cannot consist at all with works. Faith cannot consist or exist 
at all. Somebody say at all. With works. Faith is independent of works, my friend. This faith that gives life and justification. It don't have no dependency, not even an inch, not even an iota on works. We have to become clear with that. Because if you don't detach yourself from that now, when you get over to the other side, you're going to have an attachment on you and you're going to be an abomination to God just as the same way as we came in. Therefore, when you believe or when you begin to believe, you learn at the same time that all that is in you is utterly guilty, sinful, damnable, according to that saying. What saying? The saying that, this saying, the saying that Job referred to. And that, and what Job said was this, for this would be a halt between two opinions, a worship of, oh, excuse me, let me back up. It says, because faith cannot consist with works, that is, if you imagine that you can be justified by those works, okay, whatever they are, for this would be a halt between two opinions, to worship Baal and to kiss the hand of Baal, which is a very great iniquity. As Job said, therefore, when you begin to believe, to learn at the same time that all that is in you is utterly guilty, sinful, damnable, according to that saying, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And also there's another, uh, there's none righteous. No, not one. They all have gone astray. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Romans 3.10 verses, uh, uh, Romans 3.10 to 12. You remember when Paul repeated what uh, I think it was Jeremiah had wrote. That they, that they all have gone astray. Because see, this is the picture that God has seen from the beginning of time. That his creation, the one that he had created in his likeness, and the likeness that God, this ought to bring a bell somebody. See, so if you ever had any notion that your likeness was the bodily part of you somehow was like God, then you, you can see clearly that they ain't got nothing to do with it. It's that the soul of man, the heart of man, the inward man God made in his likeness. And what he has seen through the fall of man is that they all have went astray. He looks upon the world and that none is good. No, not one. That they have been what? Become unprofitable. So man has became, has became unprofitable to the kingdom. So this is why we can see where God was making a way out of no way. This is why the price was so high that it couldn't be paid by you or me. This is what we see now, my friends, as God and his love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he gave his life for us. Because why? Because we were utterly guilty. 
without hope. That we were sinful, damnable. And see, in this, when, in order for somebody to receive in their heart the gospel of Jesus Christ, they have to know who they are. And too often now, we're trying to preach the gospel to a world, but we won't tell them who they are and where they at. We want to appease to them where they at by not mentioning that just come in, you need Jesus. Can you see why it's hard for people to see why they need Jesus? Because they don't know where they are and they don't know who they are. They don't see that they got a problem. But when one sees himself for who he is, then it's easy for for one to be able to see that I am in a lost state, that I am damnable, that I have no hope. But from there, they, then now when they can hear that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for you. When they hear the words that has been said here that, 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 that Jesus loved us, that he gave his life for us. When they see, hear the, the words that, that just be, if you believe and receive him in your heart, that you can be saved. See, when a person knows that they're in trouble, then they want to be saved. But as long as you don't know you're in trouble, then they, what's, what what I need salvation for? I don't need that monkey business you're talking about. As a matter of fact, what I see, all of this stuff you're going through. And we wonder why the world don't want Jesus and why they're in the state that they're in. Because they don't know who uh, the state that they're in. They, and we won't tell them. We won't rightly divide the word of truth. God can't, you, who can God use to speak the truth, not to fudge it and to make it what we want it to be, to present it as a, some sales package, but to be able to proclaim it as the Spirit gives utterance. Who will hear what the Lord says and do it and speak it? We're concerned about man. Are you kidding me? This is what uh, John Peter and them told uh, the, uh, the, the magistrates and, 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 and the judges. Yo, should I obey you or God? Should I obey man or God? Are you kidding me? It ain't even a question. And they understood that. But we live in a time right now that we worried about man, that we won't truly obey God. How backwards. We got some problems, my friends. So since this faith can reign only in the inner man. See, this faith is only in the inner man. Oh, glory be to God. God is awesome. You can see why I'm so excited about this because this will set you free. Because see, this faith don't, uh, the faith that we, that saves us, that justifies us, do not dwell in the uh, flesh man, the outer man. It only dwells in the inner man. The, the one that we ain't been paying much attention to. With the heart, man believes. That's why it says, with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. It is evident that no outward work or labor can. It is evident that no outward work or labor can the inward man be at all justified by. It is evident that no outward working or labor can the inward man be justified by. 
the outward, the work, the outward work can and will not justify the inner man or nor make him free, nor save him, and that no works whatever they are have any relationship with him. And so, on the other hand, it is solely by impropriety, and impropriety, what that means is uh, irreverence towards God. It is solely by impropriety and in uh, credulity of heart that, the, that he becomes guilty and, and a slave to sin, deserving condemnation, not by any outward sin or work. I'm going to say that again. See, it is solely by impropriety, which is an irreverence of the heart. It's one's inner man uh, revolting towards God or being contempt towards the divine. Incredulity, incredulity means this. It's the quality of not believing. It's a, a withholding or refusing to believe. So it is solely by the inner man's impropriety and his refusal to believe that one is condemned. It is not by your outward works that you are condemned, even. It is by your heart that refuses to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior according to the word of God. Therefore, the first, here's the thing about it. Therefore, the first care of every Christian ought to be to lay aside all reliances on works and do what? And strengthen his faith all the more and more and by it grow in the knowledge and not works but grow in the knowledge of Christ. See, what our desire leaving this place this morning would, uh, ought to be is to, uh, to, quit, quit, to not be relying on our works. It's not going to stop you from doing your works, but it, uh, the reliance of works. I ain't even going to say that now because I don't want to confuse nobody. But stop relying on your works and your desire right now because you ought to know that you're in, uh, your freedom and your justification comes by the working of the inward man. And that working is, one, is namely one word, faith, hallelujah. Saving faith is what I call it today, my friends. In there. That it's the faith in the one, uh, the, your inner man that has justified you and made you free today. And that if that is true and if you understand that, then you ought to set aside the reliance of, your, of the work the outward work, and you ought to pursue the word like never before. And not in some simple way that you want to do it, but by being led by the Spirit of God. This ought to give us a burning and a thirst for the word of God. And, the, uh, and, and here it is. And that we ought to be strengthened, our faith could be strengthened more and more by this, by growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's it. By knowing Jesus, who has suffered and was raised from the dead. Thus Christ, when the Jews asked him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? You remember when the Jews asked Christ, so what shall we do to work the works of God? What did Jesus do? He rejected the multitudes of their work with which he saw that they were puffed up 
with anyway. He rejected the works because he saw that they was puffed up anyway. And he commanded them this one thing. And what was that one thing he said? Some of y'all might remember. This is the work of God. This is the work of God. Somebody say that this is the work of God. This is what Jesus told him. He said, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. Hallelujah. The work of the God or the work of the kingdom is to believe on him whom he has sent. Have God, the one that God has sealed. Hallelujah. The one that God the Father has sealed. That's John chapter 6, verse 27 and 29. So therefore, right faith in Christ is, is an incomparable treasure, my friend. Faith, which is the brief and complete, full uh, fulfilling of the law. Who will fill those who believe with such righteousness that they will not need anything else for justification. See, faith, which is the brief and complete fulfilling of the law, will fill us, those of us that believe, with such righteousness. See, this faith that we're talking about is born on the inside. So it's going to fill you with all the righteousness that, that's under the sun, that you will need nothing else for justification, for justification, for to be set free. Thus, too, this is what Paul said, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness again. See, it's the heart that gives us, the belief in our heart that gives us the righteousness or puts us in the right state with God that justifies us, that has set us free. And somebody we need to know today, my friends, that it ain't nothing of our works. Even though we didn't say that and even have some kind of intellectual belief of that. But the truth of the matter is, is then why are you feeling guilty when you messed up your works? Why you feel like, oh, God then came against me. Oh, he didn't sent this wrath on me when you messed up. No, it ain't God. It's the, it's the, the enemy. It's, it's, uh, it ain't God. It's, it's, that, it's uh, what happens when you uh, mess up that there's consequences. Don't blame it on the God that has set you free. Because as long as we keep blaming it on him, but then we know, oh, he's a good God. This is what keeps us in the cycle of doing the same thing over and over again. But we can get off that cycle when we know what the truth is, my friend. And the truth is today that the, it's the commitment in my inner man. So when something is messed up, then I can attribute it to for what it is. But I don't have to be bound by it. See, because I know it ain't God. See, if it was God, then yeah, you'd probably be bound by it. But when you know that you've been set free by God, and it's not God bringing forth his wrath, it's just what you pay in the consequences because you stole the money, yeah, you got to go to jail. Because you lied on this, and then, yeah, they came back and, and, and took that money back and garnished your wages. Whatever. We can quit blaming it on God and see it for what it is so we can move away from that and, what, and, and quit trying to think, that, see, this is the proof in the pudding that we do have some credence on our works uh, and we relating it to our righteousness. When there ain't no credence on your works that can even contain or be a part of your righteousness, 
But see, we, we, you, see the, you see that? God is setting you free today, my friends. Whom the Son set free is free indeed. Let us look to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, you are awesome and you are mighty God. And as you take us on this journey to concerning Christian liberty, Lord God, and as you started and painted a clear, a clear picture to us that is by faith, and that faith is not from the outer man, but it's from the inner man. It's from our spiritual man that, that we believe in the Son. Believe in whom you have sent and put your seal on, Lord God. And that that alone has made us right, justified, and free. That and that alone. And Lord, help us to, to go back and to separate any form of works being linked to our righteousness or our justification as though we could do anything to help you along the way when Christ has done it all. I pray right now for each and every one of us, Lord God, because every one of us is guilty of this in some way, shape, fashion, or form. But today is the day, Lord God, that you have come to set the captives free. And in order to set us free, then all we have to do is admit and repent. Confess and repent, Lord God. That I have tried to show my good works as though it was going to justify me in some shape, fashion, or form. As Lord, if I do this, yo, uh, then, then, then I deserve this. Even if I didn't say it with my words, Lord God, it's all, where it messed me up is it was perceived in my heart. My inner man, my soul. And for some reason, Lord God, we still think as the old man and not the new man. So we think that if we don't do it, then we can think it all day and it ain't a problem. When the truth of the matter is, is that when we thought it, we became guilty, Lord God, we didn't have to do anything. So we need you this day, Lord God, to touch us in such a way, Lord God, as only you can. Lead us and guide us. Touch the hearts of each and every one of your, your people, Lord God. And let none of us deny your truth, Lord God, but to, just as your word says, that if we really understand this, what it's gonna do is it's gonna make us seek the, you by, by growth in your word and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, your son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Glory be to God. Come on, let's give God some praise.